Thank you for joining us. This is Chris Emke, and you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, I got Justin in the studio here. I am flying solo. Okay, my uh, co-conspirator here, you know, doing the podcast is out for the day. So we got a, a fun, full-packed episode. Uh, we're going to be going through the the latter part of the series on our DIY Till I Die project. So, uh, you know, it's really cool to see that project wrap up and kind of see, you know, what uh, what the end result is of, of that package uh, or that project, rather. Um, before we dive into that, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. We have Exergy Performance. WC Fab and of course XDP. Um, guys, things are starting to heat up over at Calibrated Power. We are seeing some early Black Friday doorbuster sales. So if, if you have an Allison truck, uh, you know, Duramax with an Allison six speed or a five speed, and you're looking for a little bit of a sale, we're doing $250 off Allison built transmissions. Um, and then we're doing $500 off of the third gen Cummins 64, 67, and the LB7 64 and 67 turbos. Um, be on the lookout. There are going to be more savings coming up as we get, you know, later part of the month. Um, and, you know, as we mentioned before, you know, the Exergy and WC Fab, there's going to be a lot of potential sales going on. So be on the lookout for that. There'll be more info to follow. Um, diving into these, uh, the video series. Um, you know, Paul and I, a couple weeks back, we went over the first five episodes and, uh, you know, we really wanted to showcase some of the uh, fundamentals of, you know, the, the starting process of the build, talking about the truck um, and, and what it all had to offer and kind of like the blueprint of, of what we were going to do. So um, I want to get into here. We're going to listen to uh, some of episode six. This is where we're going to pull the engine. We're going to get the transmission in and uh, really show the, the nitty gritty on what a you know a 20 year old 200,000 plus mile truck looks like all right guys welcome back to another episode of our diy budget build oh yeah um anthony jake jake's behind the camera you can't see him but they've been busy you guys yanked the trans out earlier in the week didn't really find too many things wrong we got a nice array of uh used and good parts going back in the trans so that'll be fun as you see the motor's out we didn't necessarily plan on going this far no but here we are now jake's been awesome helping us get this far ran into a couple issues anthony you want to walk us through some of the things we've seen uh, i mean just to take a step back like you mentioned on the transmission that came out fairly well jake was nice enough to walk me going through that stuff because i don't know i mean i know enough to take a couple bolts apart but it was nice to be able to have someone walk me through and show the right way to pull the transmission out but pulling the motor out as far as getting it out that was easy i should say but we ran into a couple snags actually on your side we had a glow plug snap yeah. in half more common than guys might think especially when this truck comes from southern wisconsin you can probably see the rust from here on every panel 22 23 years old never been touched still got a couple mouse nests to go with yeah. it in there and we had a broken glow plug you can see a whole colony of mice probably living in the valley of the motor i know that i had a similar deal and we pulled the motor on my truck i found two dead mice under the cp3 um i mean it'd be i'd be interested to see how like the manifolds come off but we run into a couple snags it's just dirty gross grimy and we're ready to you know start getting some good parts on this so budget in mind we were originally just doing an injectors pump we didn't necessarily plan for head gaskets um talk to jake um, Jake's actually swapping us some labor for an LS motor I had hanging around, so why not take opportunity of that? From where we are now to go a step further, we're only talking a couple hundred bucks to get the heads checked, gaskets, stud it, stuff like that. Um, I didn't want to do it. The shop guys kind of talked me into it of why are you going to not do it while you're here? 
So I think what we're gonna do now, Jake's gonna tear the heads off, give it a, a brief inspection of the head gasket, um, figure out if we can clean them up here, send them out to the machine shop. And from there, we'll re-gasket it, stud it, get the new injectors pumped in, get the new uh, turbo on it, and uh, hopefully get it back in the truck running. Yeah, I mean, you, you keep budget in mind, like that's a whole series of courses. We wanna be able to save money, but make this as reliable as possible. Yes, we could have gone and just slapped the parts on there and you know put it back in and call it a day, but I think depending on how rough we are this season with these upgrades of having factory head bolts, you're gonna be more money out six months, two months, who knows, a week after its first pull or something like that to go, oh shit, the head gasket's popped. We yep. gotta take it back out again. So yes, it's like, hey, it's a few hours more, X amount of dollars uh, up front, but in the long term, I think it's gonna make it a lot more reliable and have that extra peace of mind as well. Yeah, the peace of mind, uh, like you said, I mean, the road trip, we're talking 1,500, 2,000 miles we're going to be putting on this thing this summer along with pulling it. Yeah. Can't see it right now, but we actually already got the new hitch and the, the pulling hitch, I should say, on it right now. Um, so we're getting ready to have some fun. Obviously, we're, we're definitely in over our heads here, but luckily the guy's been around to help and uh, keep watching. All right, guys. Uh, pretty wild. You know, you talk hey, I'm going to pull a motor, hey, I'm going to pull a trans, put a trans in, but you don't really realize how much work goes into that. And I know a lot of our listeners, you know, are mechanics and maybe are DIY guys yourself. And, uh, you know, as these trucks get a little older, there are there are some uh, curveballs. <laughs> there are some curveballs out there. So um, episode seven, um, you know, we, we ended up, you know, installing the injectors in the pump from Exergy Performance. So, you know, again, guys, 60% over injectors, a 10 millimeter Exergy CP3 pump. Uh, what could go wrong? Well, well, let's, uh, let's dive into that and, and see what that looked like. What's going on, guys? It's Tim Mahoney. And I'm Anthony. We're back here with another episode. Oh, yeah. Today, we got the motor back in this thing. Um, we chose to pull the motor out, being an older truck. We kind of also thought maybe it'd be a good idea to put head studs in this thing if we're going to make some power. We were already there. Uh, with the help of one of the guys, uh, Jake. Don't just say one of the guys. All right. It's with Jake. the help of Jake. Jake the Snake, one of our awesome technicians over here decided to help us out because we're not techs as much as we want to play pretend. No. There's, when it comes to pulling a motor out of something like this, it's a little above our pay grade, above our head, skill level, whatever you want to call it. So we had Mr. Jake the Snake help us out on this one. What we ended up going with to get the best balance of the power we want to make, to kick some ass at the sled pulls, quarter mile times, but still stay reliable and something that's easier to tune, I would say, than you know, the big fuel setups. We're doing Exergy 60% over injectors and a 10 millimeter CP3. So I think that from kind of a sales perspective, and I'll lean on you for the tuning side, that's something that we've seen make great power, still be very reliable, and still something where it's not super smoky, it's not gonna take nine tuner visions to get dialed in. We can still use it for the power, the sled pull, and the fun factor, but still something where if you wanna hook up a trailer or you wanna utilize the truck for being a truck, you can still do that. 60s, 10 mil, pretty straightforward setup. Um, we actually stuck with the LOI regulator on this. Um, this should be something that runs on a stock file. So very easy to tune, very easy to tune if you wanted to. I know uh, you messed around with it in the past. If a guy's at home wants to do it, this truck will run and drive on a stock file and you can start to make your adjustments from there. So we knew the injectors were bad, but we didn't know how bad. Yeah, right? and fortunately enough, the guys over at Extra G Performance have a very nice system where when we sent the injectors in, I mean, where the injector, uh, where the fuel comes in, where the feed line is, which is covered in rust, right? But we also wanted to see how bad things actually were. So we sent the factory injectors over to the guys at Exergy. And anytime we send injectors and they do a very nice job of kind of giving us a, a roadmap, if you will. Hey, we went through, we did a baseline. 
here's some data. They have a whole flow sheet for everything that they send, even if the injectors are bad. They take pictures, grab a couple videos, they make points, they circle everything of, hey, here's what's bad, here's what's good, here's what we can or can't do with the injector. So again, very thankful for those guys over there. They helped us kind of guide us in the right direction of what they recommend for something like this. But they really showed us of, hey, here's the pain points or here's the issues with your stock injectors, and here's what we're gonna do to help resolve that. Budget build in mind, we landed on the 60s and the 10 mil for our power number, as well as, as keeping us in that cost, uh, as well as reliability. You know, ideally, we'll get another 150 or 200,000 miles out of these injectors. Absolutely. Again, you want to put something that's, that's known and from a company who strives for perfection like us, right? We really hammer home on the calibrations and with power, longevity, and reliability in mind. And I think Extra G does a really nice job with that as well for a fuel system. So, I mean, that's why we went with those guys and have the specific setup that we do here. So we hit on pulling the motor out of this thing. We're about 20 hours, 22 hours into it, at least a couple weekends. I mean, this is more than just a couple nights in a buddy shop. A <laughs> um, little bit more involved than I thought we were getting ourselves into. Um, we do have a sled pull tomorrow night, but I don't think we're gonna make it to that due to... Uh, There's yeah. no valve covers on this right now. Yeah, the so. we might have made a small mistake, not the end of the world, but we did pull the heads off, stud it, put new gaskets in it, cleaned everything up, had them gone through. Uh, we might have set the valves backwards when we did that. Might so have. It, it has a did. slight misfire. So uh, we got that all pulled off. Jake's gonna help us fix, fix our uh, minor mechanical issues there. Um, and we're gonna get this thing wrapped up hopefully over the next couple weeks. Uh, hopefully over the next week, to be honest. We do have some, uh, some whirly parts we gotta throw on here, high flow bundle kit, some other goodies. So looking forward to get those on. As Tim mentioned, we have the WC fab parts, all powder coated, very nice, look very cool under it's the got hood. got that whirly red. Whirly red. Yeah, looks I mean, nicer than the whole truck. I mean, probably cost more than the whole truck too. Probably. For, for the part. But uh, so we have those parts. We're gonna be uh, bolting the intercooler pipes up to our new stealth turbo that we have under the hood as well. Um, so keep an eye out for the next video. We're gonna be kind of keeping you guys grouped in on that as well. We'll get this thing rolling. We'll get pulling. We'll get some, uh, some good shots of it and we'll go have some fun. Get rolling, get pulling. Thanks guys. Sounds like a miss, doesn't it? All right. So learn a little bit about diagnostic, learn a little bit about the install. Yeah, not everything goes as uh, easily as uh, as hope or expected. Sometimes there are curveballs. So um, looking at here now, we have episode eight where we had the fuel side of the motor done. Now it's time to look at the air charge side of things. And uh, this is where we're going to install the Stell 67 G2 LB7 turbocharger. Um, you know, some things to highlight, right? We were looking for a certain power number out of the truck. We wanted to be able to control EGTs. But most importantly, we wanted this truck to retain drivability, which uh, is why we went that route. What's going on, guys? I'm Tim Mahoney with Duramax Tuner. And I'm Anthony. Today, we're in the Turbo Bay. Anthony, now in front of me, we got an LB7 turbo. Before we get to that, let's talk about what happens back here, right? Yeah. Um, this is, we call it the Turbo Bay, Turbo Manufacturing Development Area. It's about 15,000 square feet. Um, we got what, six or seven machines now. We got a whole group of builders, machinists. It's really a team back here. Ironically, this morning, talking about how the LB7 was the first drop-in turbo line back in 13 that we developed. When we moved in here four and a half years ago now, this, this place was completely empty. Um, so it, it's really developed. It's really been cool to see the manufacturing side. It's been cool to get some of these guys who just specialize in machining alone and not so dialed into, you know, the tuning side of the industry, if you will. So let's talk about this LB7 charger that's in front of us. So with our DIY budget build, this is what we're going to be putting on. 
Um, we've done carb testing with this guy. We're waiting on an EO. Um, we've got 49 state going on. We got 64, 67, and VVT all the way through LML. We've done our L5P testing. So this is like the foundation of our line. Um, this is a 64. We talked about in an earlier uh, earlier video that we're gonna do kind of a, a hybrid build, if you will, 64 with a 67 back half. Um, stock turbocharger, where are we, why are we not using the stock turbocharger? Stock turbo's got a couple pinch points, if you will. It makes good power out of the box from the factory for what guys use it for. But once you start to modify them, usually about 530 horsepower is where it maxes out. Just, it can't flow enough air out of the exhaust. The compressor wheel super inefficient. You can throw a boost increase valve. Guys, back in the day, you should just snip the wastegate in half and put a plug in there. Why not, dude? Just you can just it. overspeed the shit out of it. So, I mean, it's just, the stock turbo has its limitations. You're just asking for a failure. So that's more or less one of the main reasons why we're not using it. Um, secondly, with all the development and all the technology we have into the stealth program, both the 64 and the 67, we wanted to capitalize and utilize that. So getting something with an improved compressor wheel where we can tow, prevent surging with that 11 blade wheel. And we have where the up pipes bolt up, that's machined. The turbine is larger. The machining is done on the exhaust housing as well. So any chance that we can improve airflow on something like this, that's gonna help us limit, or not limit, but take us from that 530 ceiling the stock charger is gonna have and move that up to 650 on the 64 and roughly around 800 on the 67. So you talk about those two differences. You talk 630, 650, 660, maybe on a 64, and you talk 800 on a 67, right? We have did it with our Apache build, actually repeatedly. We did a second build with the heads on that one. Pretty cool to see we pushed that truck to 820, 830. Other than power, what are the differences between a 64, 67? Who's, what is, who is the right person for the 64? And when do I want to extend a little bit and get that 67? The difference between the two is really spool up and drivability. Okay. I mean, at Duramax Tuner at Calibrated Power, we focus on drivability. I think like that's where Nick way back in the day and kind of when you came into the, the side of things to do tuning, focus on drivability. Power's great. Everyone likes to see that dyno number, but how often are you tuned five foot to the floor? So developing a charger that's not like an S300 or 400 that you know drives great up top, makes great power, but drive down low, it sucks having a stock appearing turbo where, you know, for the 64 up a 650, but that's typically for the person where, hey, I'm gonna tow, I'm gonna daily drive, maybe you build the trans, do some fuel upgrades, but you're more, more focused on, I get in this truck every day, I work it, I use it, I depend on it, and focusing on drivability, that's more for the 64. Now okay. the 67, like you're mentioning as well, still drives great. I think, you know, we're shifting that uh, spool up window up a few hundred RPMs, but nothing to the point where you're like, man, this really just doesn't drive nice. It still drives good. It's just the power range is shifted up. More of your weekend warrior. Maybe you do tow with it, but yeah. you don't tow every day. You're not a hot shotter. You're not looking to be at that 450, 500 horsepower towing level, right? You're more out there sled pulling, having a good time. Maybe you got your buddies in the back and you guys are are smoking tires down the street. So backing into that hybrid and why we went with that, right? It's not something we typically offer to a customer. It's kind of a custom, not one-off, we do do it. Um, twin applications, we'll usually do a hybrid build. So it's a 64 front half and a 67 back. Reason we did that was for sled pulling to be class legal in that work stock, but still get that extra flow if we really wanna lean on the turbocharger, right? Peak power benefit, what are we talking? 20, 30 extra horsepower Minimal, maybe. I'd say. Um, maybe a little bit of loss in drivability. But for what we're trying to do, we're going to push the truck. Yeah. Right? 
I mean, just to build off what you're saying, we want to be able to stay class legal, but we want to be able to, I mean, at this point, it's a sled pull truck. We're not taking it on that trip yet. So we want to beat the shit out of it. We want to get as much out of this as we can, gave every, gain every single advantage that we possibly can from this truck and be able to flow as much exhaust gas as possible to get all those hot exhaust gases out. Granted, we're limited by the compressor, but any chance we can improve airflow, that's going to translate to power. That's going to translate to even inches or feet on the sled pull track. Perfect, perfect. We got a few other things in front of us. We got both boost tester kits here for the LD7. Uh, more or less, if, if you're doing a turbo install, these are one of the things you want to do. Even if you got a, a stock truck with 150,000 miles on it, I guarantee you probably got a boost leak on the, on the truck. Um, Anthony, anything else you want to add today? I just think that the boost test kits are vital regardless of daily driving, weekend warrior, or towing. I feel like in a scenario like we're using the truck where it's literally everything you can do with it, we're going to tow across the country, we're going to beat on it in the sled poles, we're going to take it out, have fun with it. Even something super small, a leak, anywhere in the system, if you can find that, nail it down, and fix it, these are going to be the tools to help you do it. All right, guys, we're going to be heading over to Dino Bay. Let's see what this thing can do. Also on our list, we're going to be stopping at WC Fab. We're going to talk to the owner, founder, the man, the myth, the legend, Jason <laughs> Worley. Um, he's going to talk about the high flow bundle that he put together for this truck, why he would recommend it. Is it a stage three high bundle? I, I'm not sure what they call it now, but it's, it's all his goodies. We're going to dive into that with him. We're going to have some power numbers that he can back into and explain why we see these power differences. So keep checking in. Keep following us. Thanks, guys. All right. Really cool to hear about the hybrid 6467 turbo that the turbo guys put together for us. Uh, we do do some custom one-off hybrid style turbos depending on the application. So if anybody has any questions or interest on stuff like that, feel free to give a call over at the shop. Uh, episode nine, this is where all the bling and all the glam comes into play. Uh, the guys over at Whirly Custom Fab, you know, hats off to them. Uh, we were able to get some high flow bundle kit uh, upgrades, some traction bars, uh, some sled pulling, st uh, sled stops and whatnot. And, uh, you know, just we'll listen to Jason. We'll listen to the guys kind of go through, you know, some of those parts, the components. And, man, I got to say that uh, WC Fab Red really, really pops on that truck. What's up, guys? I'm Anthony from Duramax Tuner, and today I have none other than Jason Worley. And we're going to go in-depth on the DIY budget build on some fancy new parts we got on this thing. We just wrapped up the install on this high flow bundle kit from WC Fab. And Jason, the parts look a lot different than probably intakes I've installed from a few years ago. What are you guys changing differently or what have you changed on the intakes to kind of help guys like myself get towards power goals and help with sled pulling? Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, you guys reached out to us when you started this build and uh, we're looking for, you know, ask for recommendations on, on what parts would complement the project, you know, on a budget, obviously cost effective. Um, so we pretty much set you up with our, our stage three bundle kit, which is our high flow bundle package. That is uh, all of our intake upgrades and turbo downpipe all in one package. Saves you a little bit of money versus buying the components all individually. Um, but it's all compatible with your drop-in style turbocharger, your guys' stealth lineup. So the bundle package is made up of both the hot and cold side intercooler pipes, a high flow Y bridge, uh, high flow intake horn for the face of the turbocharger and then our new four inch intake and air box, and then round it off with our high flow downpipe. Um, so the, the biggest thing that you, you notice that that's different is obviously our intake kit. Uh, for many years, we always offered uh, intake pipe with, with an open air filter style. It was, it was kind of the big hit back in the day. Everyone, everyone liked having that open look, um, but in all reality, having that open air filter, you're, you're sucking in hot intake or hot air from the engine bay. So it's not good for your intake air temperatures and it's certainly not good for horsepower, especially yep. when you're on a budget build. 
Um, so to get the best, coolest air to that Stealth turbocharger, um, we've got our new intake, which has got our nice, high-quality, fabricated, uh, powder-coated aluminum uh, sheet metal style airbox. Um, so a while back here, maybe about a year ago now, we redesigned all of our Duramax intakes to include these nice uh, airboxes. It's not just an aluminum shield on one side or two sides. It's actually a, a full box. It's open to the fender and then it's open down to, uh, towards the ground, towards your wheel well, and then it has a nice uh, bolt-on lid with our riveted-on logo. So for something like that, I mean, that's gonna help not only just, you know, for power, right? You're talking about any chance you can reduce intake air temperatures, because I know that's a yep. big thing. The, the open filters were cool, they look sick, but there was like functionality kind of, I won't yeah. say issues, functionality but is not as improved. good. Yep. Yeah. And you get a lot dirtier filter too. I mean, so having that air box, you're, you're, you're closing it off and you're, you're pulling air through the fender. You got more areas and, and more, the, the pathway for the airflow is gonna help debris fall out of that airflow better. Um, gonna help prolong the life of that filter. We have our water repellent outerwears covers that come with all of our air filter kits, which help keep water from soaking into the filter. And it also helps keeping the pleats of the filter from getting packed full of debris, which makes them really hard to clean. Our, air fil or our intake kits come with a, it's a dry disposable filter. So anything you can do to prolong that life of that filter before you have to replace it is beneficial. And then obviously both intercooler pipes. The factory intercooler pipes on the LB7 uh, leave a lot of room for improvement. The driver sides are notorious. How about when you pulled your driver side off? Did it have a hole rubbed in it from I the steering shaft? Probably had a bunch of them that we just, yeah. you know, someone had duct taped together over the years. Pretty, pretty common on the driver side LB7 intercooler pipe. They they rub against that factory steering shaft and they rub a hole right through the pipe and you got a boost leak that yeah. just develops over time you didn't even realize. Um, so we route our pipe a little differently away from that steering shaft, away from the fender liner, routed much nicer. We get rid of the angled boots. We get rid of the really long 90 degree boot off the turbocharger. Much more reliable, robust setup. You're dealing with a little bit higher uh, boost pressures, a little bit more compressor outlet temperature because of the higher boost levels. Um, so we got a higher quality silicone, high temperature boot, uh, much better, more reliable driver side pipe. Um, similar upgrades on the passenger side. Uh, full three inch pipe, got rid of the angled boot, and that goes into our nice uh, three inch high flow Y-bridge. The factory Y-bridge on these LB7s, again, like the intake horn, you can't even put your hand inside of them. They're about two and a quarter inches yeah. in diameter is all. So we got a full three inch bridge. Uh, so your three inch tracks from intercooler all the way into the intake. It's a nice billet. I don't know, did you install the bridge yourself or one of the techs Me and did? Timmy, and then we had help with the- uh, So you the saw the, the billet lower half. That's, yes. that's a new part. We used, to, we used to hand fabricate the bridge and it, it just took a lot of time. Well, since we got our CNC machines in-house now the last several years, we actually designed new lower section and it's a, it's a whole billet clamshell. So we were able to make that piece flow even better. It looks a lot nicer. It's badass because it's billet, of course. And uh, that's, that's the main focal point of the Y-Bridge is that, is that lower section. It, it opens up equal flow to both intake runners. That's going to make this truck and everyone else who's yep. going to be running your kits that much more efficient. And you mentioned going to the mountains. Obviously, anytime you're, and I imagine you'll be towing something out there. If you're going out towards Steamboat, probably take a side-by-side -side with you oh, yeah. or some snow bikes or snowmobiles or something. Um, anytime you're towing, especially in mountain passes, anytime you can help drop EGTs is important. And the factory downpipe on these trucks is... They're, they're large, but they're crushed and they, and they crush them so that they can put this big, huge heat shield behind it. And they've got a big gap between that and the cab. We, we put a nice uh, mandrel bent three inch downpipe in there. It's a smooth flowing downpipe, flows better than factory. And that's a huge help in decreasing the EGTs, which is really important when you're towing, especially when you're towing an elevation. And then not only do we have the custom intake from WCFA, we actually have a set of traction bars. Now I've ran traction bars on my LB7. I have them on my LOI as well. 
what are some benefits, you know, maybe aside from sled pulling that guys are going to see with traction bars? Yeah, traction bars are another popular one. We, we do a lot of traction bars, all trucks, whether it be a sled puller or drag racer, there's obvious reasons you need them in those applications. But most people don't even understand that it's a benefit for even just your daily driver or tow rig, um, especially if you've got increased horsepower. If you're on a bone stock truck, traction bars are more of a looks thing than anything. They look cool and they add a nice little bit of custom color and feature underneath the truck. But when you start adding turbochargers, built transmissions, upgraded tuning, you're putting more power to the wheels and, and more power to the ground. The, the axle, what happens is you actually get axle wrap under, under heavy torque, uh, higher horsepower, especially if you're towing a trailer. Again, you're going to experience axle wrap, that, which is going to essentially cause issues with the driveline. It can cause driveshaft failure, U-joint failure. Uh, it can do all sorts of things. It can make the truck hop. It can make it bounce. It can make it really really uh, uneasy driving uh, with, a, with the increased horsepower. So putting the traction bars on is connecting the frame down to the bottom side of the axle and it, it makes that whole rear end a little bit more rigid and it makes it a, a smoother ride under high ho higher horsepower, higher torque uh, applications. It keeps that axle planted and helps get that power to the ground. Perfect. I mean, even something like, it seems simple, right, in concept that you just, you know, you want to keep the rear end centered yep um but something like that like you're saying translates to daily use towing and it's just like not having those is going to cost you a lot more in the long run depending on the scenario than you know spending the money and putting those on there so you know, and we, failure i mean you can yeah. see it you take out a u-joint next thing you know it ruins the transfer case tears up the the back of the transmission um, we've even seen them break bell housings break rear engine covers i mean one little 60 dollars u-joint failure can cost you many thousands of dollars of failure all the way up to the back of the engine and then one last thing, we touched on the intake, we touched on the traction bars. Out back, suspension looks a little bit different. What do we got outfitted there? Yeah, so um, WC Fab, actually, we have another business that we, uh, that we took over and uh, do all the manufacturing is uh, big hitch products. So when you guys told us you were sled pulling, I immediately thought, oh, well, you need, you're gonna need a hitch and you're gonna oh, need yeah. sled stops. We did. <laughs> uh, so you put a roll pan on this thing or it's got a bumper on it still? No, it's got a roll pan. So it's got a roll pan. So a lot of times when we're sled pulling, uh, you probably touched on in some previous videos, it's important to get that that pulling hitch a little closer to the axle because when it's closer to the axle, it's going to load that rear end harder and give you more traction, help you pull further. When it's further back, it's going to lift that front end more. It's going to make the truck want to hop. A lot of bad things happen. So you put the roll pan on, gets rid of that rear bumper. It's a pretty cool, sleek look. Some guys like it, some guys don't. But you put that roll pan on, that allows you to move that pulling hitch forward about a foot, if not more. The problem with putting a roll pan on is the factory receiver hitch hangs out and turns into a, a, a knee buster. It's, yeah. it's hanging out way too far behind there, it's in the way. So BHP, what we do is we manufacture a receiver hitch that's hidden behind the roll pan, or you can have it hang down below the roll pan, but it brings that thing forward about a foot and lets you still tow a trailer, so you can use it for daily driving, or flip your license plate up, put a receiver hitch in there, or a pulling hitch and go pulling, and you get the benefits of that hitch being further forward. I mean, the nice thing is everything went on pretty much without a hitch. Like we said, Tim and I installed it. Nice we had, fun there, without a hitch. <laughs> yeah, right? I was hoping you'd catch that. <laughs> um, no, we had we have great products. We got great people backing them up. Like your guys' support has been phenomenal, getting everything taken care of, getting everything sent out to us. Um, myself, Tim, we knocked this stuff out. We had our super tech, Jake, get us taken care of as well. So yep. nice to get everything put on. It's a cool build. And you guys do a lot of truck pulling this summer at the, uh, the stock class around uh, Northern Illinois here and kick some ass with it. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony. I'm Jason Worley with WC Fab. Tune in next time. We'll put this thing on the dyno. All right. So it's always nice to have Jason kind of go through all of his parts and components and, uh, you know, kind of give us the rundown on, on what they do over at Worley Custom Fab. And then episode 10, the final episode, 
Did we accomplish the horsepower we were looking for? Were we able to sled pull? Were we able to drag race? Has a truck been driven? I don't know. We're going to have to wait to find out and leave you on that hanger. Hey guys, it's Tim and Anthony here at Duramax Center. Behind us, I got our project DIY till I die. Uh, we're just about wrapped up with this thing, just finished it on the dyno. So we didn't make it back on the dyno before we started the sled pull season after we installed all the parts. We kind of left off on the dyno. I think it was about 105 horsepower over stock. Remember that baseline came in really low, 220 horsepower. Mustang dyno uncorrected. Um, started there, put our parts on, started to add some fuel, dial in the fuel. Uh, cranked it up to about 2000 US. I would have pegged that for somewhere in the mid 500s. That's where Jake left off sled pulling. That's kind of where we, we topped off with the LB7 regulator, which I know a lot of you guys were interested in. Hey, why can we put a, a 10 mil pump with still get an LB7 regulator? Well, we kind of found the limit there, especially in the higher RPM sled pulling. We we're winding this thing out to 3,900, 4,000 RPM and a couple of the logs. Um, that's where we really saw fuel pressure take a dive. Um, we went ahead and swapped the regulator to that LBZ regulator. We were able to crank up the fuel a little bit more. Um, I probably got another 100 horsepower out of it just by doing that. Um, so we wanted to strap it back on the dyno, see where we were at. All dialed in, we made 600 rear wheel horsepower on the dot and just under 1,300 foot-pounds of torque. As a tuner, the dyno is here as a tool um, to work with and show a power increase, right? So baseline, 220 horsepower and 470 foot-pounds of torque or something, something god awful yeah it was terrible um 600 rear wheel horsepower on the dot and i think 1290 foot-pounds of torque right around there yeah so about 170 percent increase in power <laughs> and over 200 percent increase in torque so yeah it wasn't like the peak peak power of of gods of lb7 but it did what it needed to do we got a really nice pull a couple pulls out of it anything else you want to talk about anthony and contrary to what you might see on youtube at the end of the day, we have a completed truck behind us. It did what we were hoping for. It did everything that we wanted it to, and it's running, it's driving, everything's good there. We didn't get there just overnight. You know, the videos, the guys in media do a nice job of editing it where it's all complete, it's all done and ready to go. But we had a laundry list of issues that we, you know, ran into. One of the first things, you know, we pulled the motor to do head studs. We almost just threw the injectors and the pump in there, but we yeah. didn't want to, you know, have to take it out it blow a head gasket on the first pass. So we, we pulled the motor out. We had our super tech Jake give us, uh, you know, some guidance on doing the heads, doing the head studs. And we put the motor in, we had issues. Got right the truck away. back together and it didn't run right. Yeah. Right. So immediately, hey, is it an injector? We were swapping out injectors. Luckily, it wasn't anything like that. We just had a fuel supply issue. Uh, one of the old rails was just so corroded and built up with crap. And how do you, how do you find that out? You know, it, it was knocking. We have videos of, you know, the first fire, it fired up fine. And then you just hear it sound like a fuel knock and it's like, oh shit, you know, did something happen with the fuel system? Is the fast working right? Did the injectors good? You know, there's a whole lot of stuff and it took what, a week, two weeks before we figured out that a fuel rail of all things. Yep. Put everybody on edge though, right? Cause yeah. like I'm questioning, you know, what I did, what you did, it, it, did Jake do something wrong? Did we do something wrong? And hey, we're supposed to be out slub pulling the truck and now we have issues, what's going on, mm -hmm. right? And then you kind of get that first sign of relief of, hey, we figured it out, truck's running good. We put a basic tune up in it, got the truck out, got it driving, boom, first sled pull. Hey, we're a little short. I think the truck locked up in third and then it just, it didn't have any balls. Like it just fell on its face, right? I think it pulled 230 feet the first pull or something like that. 
and you know shot the shot the oil seal out of it right so there's oil everywhere it's like oh great this thing just got put back together now we got to take it apart again what's going on do yeah. we hurt something else drove back on the trailer and all that but now we got one more thing to do that's right in, i mean that's in the back of your mind it's like oh shit it just got together we just had the motor out we just put it back in does this have to come out are we going to tie up your time are we going to tie up my time jake's in tuning this isn't a six or seven hour project you know <laughs> this is this all. is weeks and weeks and weeks and then you got to go back and dial it in dial it in dial it in um this is all over a three or four month span an entire sled pull season that honestly we, we missed the first half of just because we were trying to get the truck figured out and you know we have families and nights and weekends they aren't always available right um but here we are it's a completed project as far as budget with dollars and cents i think we were within a thousand bucks of dollars You're and close. cents yeah right as far as time, like the things you'll never get back is just the time, right? Yeah. Um, probably an extra 30 or 40 hours, like a week of, of work went into this than I had originally planned, um, much less Jake's time and the nights and the early mornings and everything else. And then just the time to go to the events. So, yeah. um, you know, with DIY in mind, like, yeah, the budget's one thing, but like, if you got to get up and go to work the next day, you also got to keep that in mind. Like, you're not going to just be grinding it out in the garage till two or three in the morning. Like <laughs> the end of the day, you got to get back up at six o'clock and do your day all over again. So mm. if you've never worked on a truck before, can you do this? Sure, right? We did. There's a lot of help out there. Maybe your buddy, maybe throw some beer in the garage and you'll get it done. Um, but definitely when you get to the point of pulling the motor out, doing the injectors, especially on an LB7, this yeah. it's a complex build. Yeah, the big thing there is organization. And I cannot stress that enough from an unorganized person. You look at this, you're like, oh, I just got to take a few things off. But then you actually see, and I think we're probably spoiled to that sense where we see the guys do it every day. So we might take it for granted. But when Jake actually walks us through and shows us how he does stuff and there's a mountain of parts and they're all in bags, they're all written, they're all organized. It's like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that that's how much goes into it. So it's kind of a reality check for us. Yeah, you got a one car garage. Good luck. You know, you you're going to be, garage. Yeah, you're gonna be overflowing into your kitchen and everything else. Yeah. So other than that, we had Jason out from Worley Custom Fab talking about the parts where we put on this truck and why. Um, we have two things left on our on our checklist to do, right? Um, we want to hit the drag strip. Um, it already went dirt drag and did well. We're going to try and get it out back in the dirt again. A couple more, couple more races there. And then the big trip right yeah so we'll keep you guys posted on that it may be a couple weeks it may be a couple months uh we're gonna try and take this thing snowmobiling do some other cool stuff with it maybe donuts and try not anything to we it can we'll, we're gonna try to blow it up but hopefully it doesn't blow it up pretty but much we're gonna have fun with it again we had some sponsors and guys who who helped us out big so we greatly appreciate that we hope you guys enjoyed this build again if you need anything if you have questions if you want us to do something with this truck just let us know i'm tim mahoney and i'm anthony all right, guys, we appreciate you taking the time to watch, listen, uh, all of the DIY Till I Die episodes that we had. This was a really cool project that everybody here over at Calibrated Power and the Diesel Performance Podcast had, uh, you know, some uh, some leg in, right? They had some skin in the game on this. So um, it was really cool to be a part of this project. A lot of times we get guys calling in at the shop wanting to do similar things to this. Maybe the truck isn't as rough and rusty. Maybe the truck is a little bit more mechanically sound. Maybe you're not going to go to this extent to revamping a truck's power uh, powertrain. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it's kind of cool to see, you know, kind of like a rebirth or a new life to a 22-year-old truck. Uh, for today, this has been Chris Emke, and you've been listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon.
fun full pack 